Hey, did you know that a former child prodigy who once played Carnegie Hall also opened the first and only black and women owned insurance firm on Wall Street in New York? Hear about this story and more in the new book, Black Pioneers of the American Insurance Industry, available now on Amazon. Loving the You Should Get a License podcast? Want to help us to keep making great content? Consider making a donation by clicking the listener support link in the episode description. Your support helps us to keep bringing you the best information, education, and inspiration on the most underrated career opportunity in business today. We appreciate you in advance on letting everybody know why you should get a license. Welcome back. Welcome back once again to your number one source for information, education, inspiration on the most underrated career opportunity in business today. That is a career in the insurance industry and financial services. You're listening to You Should Get a License, the podcast. And I am Rod Powell. And today we have someone who is very special, uh, a a true innovator and visionary in our space, uh, someone who is really I'll say a a king, you know, just expanding the culture, you know, in insurance, in financial services. He's the co-founder of the Society of Black Agents, aka SOBA, uh, the head president of Noble Insurance Consulting and Brokerage down in Atlanta, Georgia. But today, tuning in from Houston, Texas. So I want to give it up and say thank you so much to the one and only T. Priester. T, how you doing, sir? I'm good, man. Hey, I appreciate that intro, man. I mean, you got me hyped now. Right. <laughs> that, that's, I, I usually hate the intro, you know, doing an interview. I mean, I'm sure you're the same way. We do enough interviews where, you know, people gas you up. But that's dope, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me tonight. Absolutely, man. Hey, look, it's it's, it's all the truth. You know, it's all the truth. Um, I want to I want to just chat and, and I'll, I'll get into, you know, just how, you know, how I was introduced to you, you know, at Black Friday. Um, through ACO and through Ngozi and, and introduced to Soba and all the things that you guys are doing. But first, before we get into that, really uh, for this platform, you know, we speak to individuals who may be new in the industry, um, maybe they're seasoned, making some transitions, or just people who really want to kind of get a peek behind the veil and, and learn about the different opportunities that are out there from a real real life perspective, people who have been there, done that, not, not just in the, in the recruiting room. So can you give us an idea of you know, your market space, your sec, your market segment. I know Noble's full service. You know, what do you specialize in and what are you working on on a day-to-day in this financial industry? Yeah, so Noble, we say we're a solution-based insurance brokerage, which you would think is common sense, right? I mean, insurance is there to create a solution to a problem, whether it's replacing income, preparing you for, you know, you passing away and making sure your debts are taken care of. So, you know, what we do is we work with individuals, families, and small businesses to protect and grow wealth through life insurance. And, you know, I got about 20 dedicated agents that work our full service portfolio. I work a a few um, tech-based platforms like Ethos, where I got about 60 agents over there. But I mean, realistically, my goal is to change the conversation around insurance in our community specifically, right? Um, You know, we, we... we, we have a lot of misinformation when it comes to insurance in our community right now. The hot thing is, you know, be your own bank. We know infinite banking and IULs have been around and popping since the 80s. But unfortunately, sometimes, you know, we catch up on things late and we try to we try to catch up and take shortcuts and end up in a, in a bad situation. So, you know, my focus has always been just changing the conversation in our community when it comes to how life insurance works. It's more than just burial. You know, IULs are a great product. Whole life's a great product. I ain't one of those people that's like, oh, you know, term is is bad and, you know, you got to go whole life. Like everybody has a need that this product can fit, you know, disability, whole life, term, IULs, annuity. So we just try to get out in our community and have conversations so people understand the full scope of how insurance works. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And and thinking of, there's two things that you said um, just in, in, in describing, 
you know, where you really specialize and, and add that value, you talked about uh, really the educational component, explaining, you know, how things work and what options you can do. And also you mentioned, you know, for our community specifically, because we often find ourselves, you know, kind of behind the behind the eight ball, you know, when you have, you know, other, uh, whether it be, you know, families or, or, or groups or, or companies that have been leveraging these things for years. And, yeah. and in certain cases with certain products, maybe, maybe even a century or right. two, you know, but, you know, for us, we, we might be finding out just about these things right now. Um, being a, being a, an agency that really has a community focus. And I want to kind of go back into, to, to Black Friday, because that's where I first met you. Uh, you were on the panel, you know, at Black Friday down in, in Atlanta, uh, with, with Ngozi and Sova and, uh, I think the Atlanta, uh, insurance professionals down there as well. Um, how important do you feel at this particular time it is? you know, for, you know, black professional, black insurance industry professionals to, to really kind of embrace, you know, this, this call for, for, for generational wealth education out there. I mean, it's, it's extremely important. You know, I work with a lot of younger people <laughs> who now are very interested in finding out ways to, you know, build generational wealth. I love that the generations that are coming behind us you know, I was born in the 70s. So, you know, we, we really didn't talk finance a lot in my household, but with with social media and, and so many things and ways you can make money on the internet, young people are saying, well, you know, how do I really grow wealth? They don't just want to randomly be chasing stuff. They're looking for strategies. So, you know, for us, just being able to, to have those conversations and, and lead them down the right path. I always tell young people, like, it's great to have huge dreams where you want to have a multi-million dollar business, but the easiest way to obtain wealth, one of the easiest ways to obtain wealth is through life insurance, mm -hmm. right? Because you may have a 20 year plan to get your family on the map and create generational wealth, but God forbid something happened to you before you get to execute that 20 year plan. If you got an insurance policy in place, as long as the information is there, your, your family can carry on that legacy without you there. You funded that legacy to continue without you. So I always tell people, regardless of if you come from money or not, the quickest way to leave money for your family is through life insurance. Right. That's right. Tax-free asset, you know, can't, can't yes. really do it. Yeah. Uh, I, I asked you about that because, you know, in our, in our, in our industry, you know, we partake, we have a lot of different market segments, you know, that we can add value in. I mean, you know, we have you know, property casualty, you have, you mm -hmm. know, whether it be personal line, home and auto, you got commercial lines, you have Medi Medicare spaces, you got supplemental benefits, you got employee benefits, you know, you have, you have all of these lines you have. And, and I feel like, you know, life insurance is a market segment that although it's crucially important, it kind of, um, it, it kind of gets, I'm not saying it gets dismissed, but it kind of gets kind of pushed to the side a little bit. Not as, not as, not not as thought of, not as much of a priority in the conversation, maybe as it, as it should be. Is, is that your experience? I mean, I know that you're multi-market, you know, so has that been your experience? Yeah, it has. Like I said, unless it's, you know, a hot topic around a specific product, a lot of times most people's conversation around life insurance is, is about death, mm -hmm. right? Nobody wants to talk about death. Now I will say that COVID did get a lot more people focused on their mortality because when you got, you know, hundreds of thousands of people dying all around you, you know, you start to think, okay, maybe I'm not invincible. So we saw a spike in sales and people willing to have a conversation then. But yeah, yeah. A lot of times when you initially approach people and you have that, you want to have that conversation about life insurance, they're like, man, you know, I ain't think about dying, you know, miss me with that. And they don't want to talk about it. So you have to expand the conversation and say, look, that's just one component of it. There's so many other things that you can do with life insurance. Like you say, you know, there's a whole PNC side where, you know, you're talking about properly protecting your home and your auto and your business. And, you know, a lot of times, again, not being informed causes us to buy the wrong products. I think there was a statistic I read the other day that said 90% of people that have insurance are underinsured. Uh, wrongly insured, missing. I mean, it's just a mess out there. So whether you're talking about life, you're talking about health, you're talking about your, your, your car, you know, fortunately, when it comes to your auto, most states mandate you have insurance. So we don't right. even think about it, but what's more important than your car? You know what I'm saying? It's, 
is making sure you, you create a legacy of wealth for your family through the other products that we offer. And even when it comes to those products, I think a lot of times people buy based on price and end up messing themselves up, right? If oh, yeah. you got a $200,000 home, why do you want a $20 a month you know, homeowner's policy? That makes absolutely no sense. And I got a business partner who went through something here last year and I think she was paying like 1100 a month for her homeowners and people like yo you bugging like 1100 but her house burned down and because she had the policy that she had she was pretty much able to build her house from the studs up where if she would have had that $20 policy she would have been tail out you know what I'm saying so Mm -hmm. you know it's not always about buying the cheapest or you know the commercials you see the most is really about connecting with an agent that can educate you on what works, even if cost is, you know, a point of contention, sometimes we got to build the value so people understand, yeah, it may be worth you paying 1100 or 700 or whatever it is, because if you don't, you're going to end up paying in the end. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, you, you mentioned that, you know, connected with an agent, especially one that can kind of, kind of direct you and, and give you some options. And I want to come, come back to that because I want to talk about the differences in, in running an agency that, that is independent, you know, versus maybe being in a, in a more captive environment. Um, but I want to, I want to double back before I even go there. I want to go all, go all the way back. Um, you talked about, you know, kind of coming up, you know, being born in the seventies. Uh, what, what was, what was your dream job coming up? Let's go back nine, nine, 10 year old T priest coming up. What, what were you thinking about doing? Yeah, man. I mean, real talk. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, so it wasn't even about a career. It was about money. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and growing up in the inner city, you don't have a lot of options, right? You, you're going to rap, you're going to sing, you're going to be an athlete, you're going to be an actor. And I had none of those skills. You know, I had a very short-lived on the corner battle rap career <laughs> that, you know, didn't go nowhere. So it was like, all right, like how else is there to make money? You know, we know drugs don't last. That's that's a hot month. You know, that that's money now, dead tomorrow, de- jail tomorrow. So that wasn't really you know, something I look to to build wealth towards. And um, I don't know, man, I, I can't really say there was a path to wealth that I, I looked at or a career that I tied to money. I, I, I got through high school and, um, you know, I said, well, let me, somewhere I heard accountants make good money. So I said, all right, well, let me go be an accountant. So I went to school. I went to JUCO for like two semesters. I'm like, I'm done with school. I don't want to do that. Then, you know, I'm like, well, maybe I want to do something different. Let me go chase a career in political justice, criminal justice. So I went back for a couple more months and didn't do that. And then I ended up going to the Marine Corps. And, you know, in the Marine Corps, I think that's where I found my footing because, you know, I was forced to grow up. This was, you know, a few years after high school. I had, you know, tried a couple of things, failed at a couple of things. And um, I don't even know how I, I hooked up with the recruiter. This recruiter slick. I mean, one, he... he approached me and next thing I know, you know, I'm in the gym doing push-ups and running around with everybody else. And, you know, less than four months later, you know, I'm swearing in for the Marine Corps. So I didn't really have, you know, any career paths that I, I looked at to, you know, build my future. I just kind of fell into the Marine Corps. And then after that got into sales and that eventually led me into insurance. Gotcha. Now, how, how long were you in the Marine Corps? Four years. Four years. Hey, thank you for your service, by the way, as well. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yes, sir. So, so Marine Corps, you know, you coming out, what, coming out of Marine Corps, kind of what, was it something that you did it, 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 while you were serving that said, you know, maybe I'll, I'll go into a sales arena, you know, what, what kind of sparked that? What kind of, what kind of sparked that as the path? So interestingly enough, I didn't finish my whole tour, right? Yeah. I got, I got a knee injury when I was in the military. And, you know, the, the Navy doctors, um, a lot of them were students when, you know, you're in the military, the, 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 the Navy doctors are students that are going through the Navy to get there, you know, become doctors. So a lot of surgeries are performed by students. So, you know, I was scared, you know, everybody's like, oh, they gonna cut off the wrong leg, you know, they gonna amputate you or whatever. And what happened is I just had a really bad case of tendonitis and tendonitis is just something that needs a rest. But when you're in the military, you, you're not resting. You're running every day. You're doing PT. You're humping. You know what I'm saying? So I just never got the rest. So I got an option where I, I sat down um, and they were like, look, you can either, you know, 
finish your tour with us doing surgery or you can get out and get a pension. Well, I'm like, well, that's a no brainer. You know what I'm saying? Pay me, let me get out. So I took my money, I got out. And because I got out a little early, I wasn't really prepared for what was next. You know what I'm saying? So I got out and the early, the easy transition was I went to security. You know, I was a former Marine. Um, I went in for communications, but once you get in the service, they put you wherever they want to. So I ended up being um, in the Provost Marshal's Department, which is an MP for a little bit. So it was easy for me to get a job with security. I hated security, um, whack hours, you know, just doing stuff I really didn't like. And um, I came across this sales position. Um, it was route sales. So, you know, when you go to a restaurant, you have the lights linen and the napkins and all that stuff my job was to go in and negotiate the prices like you know we want to take over your linen for the restaurant we'll offer you x amount of napkins or whatever and then i would go to the mechanic shops and do the rags and different things like that so i really enjoyed the art of negotiating right i can go in there and based on how good i was at my job i can make some decent money so i yeah. did that for a few years and i think that kind of gave me an appetite for sales and I just kind of bounced around for a while trying to find out what the best fit was. And again, eventually, you know, it led me to insurance. Mm, mm. So Marine, so, so I guess with the, with the Marines, obviously there, you know, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a regiment, there's a process, you know, discipline. I mean, work ethic is, is going to be crazy based on the schedule coming out. You just, you, you basically just transfer those skills you know, into the route and uh, you just combine it with the negotiations. And, you know, obviously that sounds like a recipe for success. So take, taking that, I mean, these are, these are all qualities that I find in, in our business are necessary mm -hmm. to win, right? It's like, you, you, you gotta have the work ethic, you gotta have the dedication, you gotta be consistent. You have to be able to negotiate, you have to be able to communicate, you have to be a communicator to talk, you have to be able to talk to people. Um, how did you end up finding your way to the insurance industry from the, the sales route? Yeah, so again, I'm, I'm old school. Um, this was back in the day where you looked in the newspaper jobs, you know, there mm. was no, it was no Google and right. you know, Indeed and all that. Kind I remember of that too. I'm just like, I was, I was around when you were looking at the newspaper circling, yes. I, I was flipping through the, the local newspaper <laughs> and, um, you know, I just started focusing on sales and, you know, there's a lot of sales opportunities out there that aren't, I'm not going to say they're not legit, but I mean, they, it's just trash. So I had to weed my way through what was, what a good sales position looked like without a degree, right? I didn't have a degree. I had some, you know, a little bit of experience from what I was doing. I had my military background and um, insurance just kept popping up. I kept seeing sales jobs. And when I would call, they were real slick with the wording. So I didn't know it was insurance until I called up. And then, you know, after you get through the gatekeeper, they kind of break down what the position looks like. And I was like, all right, well, I keep seeing this. Let me at least see what this thing is talking about. And, um, you know, I went to an interview, a group interview, and this guy was up there like rah, rah, and talking about all this money and this great opportunity. And, you know, at first I, I you know, I was calling BS. Like, I mean, if it was this easy, everybody would be doing it. Right. And um, I mean, they were doing like five meetings a day. So I'm like, well, again, you got this many people coming through. It ain't, it can't be all that if you got to keep recruiting all these people. But, um, you know, I had a conversation with one of the guys there on the second interview and um, did a little research and said, I mean, you know, it, it's definitely a legit opportunity. I mean, I see State Farm and all these other guys out here. You know, this was a different route. Um, it was a small career shop uh, right outside of Baltimore. And, um, you know, I went to the second interview, you know, I talked to the guy, got all my questions answered. He told me what the process was of, you know, get my pre-licensing and, and going ahead and, and taking my exam and getting my license. And I did it. You know, I failed. I failed my, my the first time I took the test is broken up in life and health mm -hmm. uh, when I took it. And um, I failed the life portion. And this this was like this was hurtful. I failed by one point. Mm. And I looked at the woman and said, why would you even tell me that? Like, let me, let me think I like was trash. So I can right. study everything. Like when you fail by one, you just like, man, I should have picked B instead of C. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm in turmoil because I don't really know like what I messed up on. So I can't really hone in on what I got to go do. And because it was a commission-based job, I was basically unemployed. And I had to wait two weeks 
before I could go back and take the test. So, you know, at this point, I got married when I was in the military, got married, you know, young, had had a kid. And I'm like, okay, I can't be out here unemployed. So, you know, I, I retook the test and thank God I passed. And, and that was the start of my career. Wow. Wow. So um, now when you started, you know, you, because you, 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 you're, you're in benefits now. You, you deal in benefits. You do individuals and benefits. Yes. So when you started, was it more on the individual side or was it more on the business side? Individual. Individual. So, so kitchen table. Kitchen table. Wow. Um, only black guy in the office. So, wow. you know, they sent yeah, me to well, the hood. Yeah. <laughs> and it, this was when um, there's a show on HBO. It used to come on HBO called The Wire. Mm-hmm. And it was it was really popular <laughs> back then. And I mean, a lot of crime, a lot of violence, a lot of death. And um, again, the only black guy in the office. So they they sent me to the hood, right? So I'm in a hood. And, you know, I'm trying to talk to people about life insurance. And this was primarily burial insurance at that time. Okay. Um, they did a lot of burial insurance and they did a lot of med subs, which was a weird mix. But anyway, you know, I'm in these communities talking to people about life insurance. And they're like, man, you know, we don't buy life insurance. The city buries us. And I'm like, the city buries you? I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, Baltimore, bodies were dropping so fast in Baltimore, they were just burying, excuse me, they were just burning the bodies and giving the family a box of ashes. So they didn't even believe in getting your basic burial insurance because they like the city going, you know, take care of that. Even though it wasn't like a proper funeral or burial or anything, they just saw no value in it. So, you know, I did that for a little bit. And after, you know, having a couple of run-ins, I'm like, man, this ain't worth it. You know, I, I got to get out of it. So, you know, I went back and said, what else is there? You know, I ain't trying to be risking my life every day for people that don't see value in what I'm doing. And yeah. then that's when I learned about Medicare supplements. So, you know, um, still low, low income areas, but a completely different, you know, demographic, completely different product. And that's where I I think I cut my teeth and started making some money. Mm, Okay. Okay. So going from basically going from a a clientele that really didn't have a, um, man, I hate to say appreciation, but really an appreciation for it, really not even a concept of of what you know, life insurance is really designed to, to do, right? Unfortunately, because when you say Baltimore and you say the wire and you say the hood, I know what you're talking about, you know? So yeah. I, you yeah. know, and, and I know who, who you're speaking to. So um, you made that switch into kind of the senior market, people who are, hey, they're retirees, they need this, they need that this, you know, go works and works alongside the healthcare. You know, they this is something that. Is, is a necessity, you know, as, as well, uh, and being able to work into work in that clientele. Did you did you do that? So now I want to kind of go back. Did you stay? Were you still with the same organization? Did you start to branch out and go and, and say, hey, I'm about to form my own shop at this point? You know, what, what was that kind of transition like? Yeah, I was with the same organization. They had two different departments, you know, one focused on the life, one on the Medicare uh, product. So I stayed there. And then in 06, I moved to Atlanta and I had to, you know, get my, my license in Atlanta. So I had to, you know, take pause for a minute, go do my pre-licensing again and pass the exam. And thank goodness this time I passed my first time. Um, but in 05 and 06, when I moved, Medicare Advantage was a thing. Prescription drug program had just become mandatory. So, you know, all seniors had to get a plan or they would get penalized. So that was like wide open for people to at least have a conversation and see what their options were. And then follow right behind that came the Medicare Advantage plans. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this, this was when Medicare Advantage, there were a ton of zero premium plans out, especially in the low income areas around the city of Atlanta, um, zero premium, you know, programs, low co-pays, low deductibles, and seniors were eating these things up. I mean, I had my best year to that point when I got to 06, like by far, because it was so easy with these zero premium programs with Medicare supplements, they got to cut a check. Right. Mm-hmm. And it may be two, $300 a month, depending on what they go with. Now I'm talking to people that like, you telling me that I don't have to pay, you know, that 200 no more. And I'm like, no, but there are some, some co-pays and other things you're responsible for. But for the average person, it just made sense because it gave them control over their healthcare because they knew what their, their limit was. Like, if I reach 6,000 out of pocket, that's my max or whatever. And right. man, I, I tell you, I, I ate good that year. 
Right, <laughs> right, right. So look, go the um, Medicare. Let, let, let's talk about the, the Medicare subs. I'm glad you you know kind of spoke to that. The Medicare subs, Medicare Advantage. You know, this is a this is a market space that you know. I know there's there's regulations about it. You can you know can only talk about it in certain capacities. But can you give kind of an overview of 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 what that is? Like what it what is it to provide or, or to sell or to 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 work in that space? Um, what is it? So for me, it, it really was the first time in my short career that I felt like I was helping people, mm-hmm. right? Because they were really benefiting from having a top quality healthcare plan that covered their needs and was something financially they could afford. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was working a lot of low income areas, a lot of people didn't have adequate coverage, right? So here in Atlanta, there's a hospital called Grady. That's the big hospital here in Atlanta. So a lot of people will go to Grady to get their health care, but they would be there like seven, eight hours a day just to see a doctor or, you know, five hours just to get a prescription. But that's all they knew. That was that was the state program that they were on to get their health care. Kind of like, you know, the VA for some of us. Like, we know the VA can be a nightmare. You'll be all. So it was kind of like that for them. And they hated it, but that's all they knew. And, you know, being, being sick and being at the doctor's office for eight hours around other sick people, that's not fun. So with these plans through major companies like United Healthcare and Humana, like, they were able to get quality health care with recognizable companies mm-hmm. and it just made them feel good you know it's like I, I don't have to use this Grady card and go see you all day I can go over to you know nice part of town and go to the Humana office or the United Healthcare you know covered facility and I mean I really felt like it was the first time again that I was doing something that was really helping people yeah yeah and, and specifically geared towards like I said a community that needs that help yeah you know a market like the, you know in our in our seniors um, one question. I, I know this is a, a big one. I know that I know the difference. Um, I know, of course, you know the difference before the people are listening. What's the difference between Medicare and Medicaid? So Medicaid is the low income provision for people that don't have, you know, assets or, you know, income It's usually people that are on the lower end of the financial spectrum. So they get you know, things like welfare, um, you know, here in Georgia, they can get different things like food stamps, they get mm-hmm. free, you know, health care. Um, but the problem with it, what I found out, and I, let me full disclosure, I haven't done Medicare in about five years. <laughs> so I know there may be some regulation to change. But when I was doing it, you know, a lot of doctors shied away from it because they didn't get paid the going rate for service, right? right. If you were a Medicare doctor, you couldn't charge you know, full price for a service rendered. So, you know, a lot of doctors would only take a certain amount of Medicare, excuse me, Medicaid patients because they felt like, hey, I'm only getting 25 cents on the dollar where if I don't take these clients, you know, I can get the whole dollar. So there was some, you know, there's some issues around that. But usually when you're getting Medicaid, you know, your state is stepping in and helping you with additional benefits where, as if you didn't have it, you'd have to pay completely out of pocket for either Medicare supplement or qualify for Medicare Advantage program. Georgia is a Republican state. Um, you know, when Obamacare came out, Georgia refused money and, you know, hurt a lot of people on the low end of the income spectrum because they were forced to either try to apply for Medicaid, which is a really strenuous pro- process. Like you got to tell them everything, you know, you can't have X amount of assets or savings or whatever. And then um, if not, you know, they weren't giving people, um, I can't remember what, what they're called, they, they, the supplements towards the cost of insurance. So it was really messy here for a few years where people gotcha. trying to figure the out- subsidies from ACA subsidies. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah it, got, it got really messy here in, in Georgia for a while. So, and then on the Medicare side, you know, the, you don't have to be low income to participate. There's just the, the age- factor you know because yeah based on how long you work i mean mm-hmm. you, I, I got a son my son is 22 he got his first real job a couple of years ago and he came home just like every other kid like that what where's all this money going in my check like right <laughs> and I'm like, hey, you know the social security that's medicare 
So, I mean, you know, 40 quarters, 10 years, whatever it is in your state, you work a certain period of time. And then when you retire all that money that you've been paying into, I mean, they keep saying it's not going to be there when we retire, but, you know, who knows, but it's supposed to be there and help supplement, you know, your income and your health care after you retire. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. So I, I just wanted to kind of kind of distinguish the differences between the two, because I know that I mean, shoot, when I, when I was younger and I would hear Medicaid and Medicare, I'd be thinking they were the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I would imagine like, you know, when you, when you work inside of this industry, you start to hear the differences in the, in the coverages, but when you're, when you're out on the outside of it, it's very, it could be, it's so confusing. It seems, it seems and sounds so confusing, you know? Yeah. So uh, I, I wanted to make sure you know, that we clarify because if somebody's listening like Medicare and they're thinking it's Medicaid, just make sure we, we all on the, well, on the No, that, that's 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 100% accurate. I, I got out because the regulations just got crazy Yeah, with, with Medicare. Um, unfortunately, a lot of, you know, there was a, a lot of elder abuse where because it was a zero premium product, you know, people were just being told, hey, sign here. Um, just to show my manager, I came out to the appointment and they were actually signing, you know, applications. So, I mean, it was, it got really dirty here mm-hmm. in Atlanta and then CMS stepped in center for Medicare, Medicaid services. They oversee all these products and they put a lot of stuff in place, which was necessary, but it just became, you know, too many hindrances for me. So, you know, I kind of backed out and just pivot and started just doing, you know, traditional life mm-hmm. and um, traditional health products at that point. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that. How did you make the transition into, you know, just building your own firm and, you know, branching out into into what you what you have today? I mean, now you have teams, you got distributions, you got systems in place. That's not listen, that's not a that's not something to take take lightly because. Many people stay in the producer, stay right in the producer lane forever and do well and do well, but to kind of start at that point and say, okay, now I'm going to leverage the distribution aspects of this business and really scale and build a full service firm. That's, that's going, that's moving on a, on a different kind of level. So how did that come about in your career? Yeah. So the current was peeled back. Like I, I did really well. Like I said, when I, I moved to Atlanta, um, top five agent in the, in the company, I got an all expense paid trip to Maui, the Grand Wale Resort, one of the top five results. And, um, you know, I got to meet some agents from uh, different parts of the country. And we, you know, we started talking money and um, these, these guys didn't look like me, <laughs> but the money they was making was ridiculous. Right. And, um, you know, once you start having a couple of drinks, people are more apt to tell you, you know, more than they would if they didn't. And um, when I got back, I got a promotion and um, I was sitting down with my admin one day and we were looking at the numbers and I know what I was getting paid because I was at a career shop at that point. So I came in like real low comp on the med, on the um, life insurance side. I, I had like a 50, 60 percent commission. Right. But I'm, I'm you know, now that I get access to the books, I'm looking and like, well, the company's making 150 percent comp off of this. That's a, that's a hell of a disparage. Just, yeah. um, you know, so, you know, I, I started learning more about the business. And, you know, I, I got the promotion. Like I said, I started looking at the books and I said, well, you know, I, I kind of feel like this is something that now that I understand how it works, I can do myself because nobody talked to me about ownership. Right. You know, we only make up about eight point five percent of the industry. So typically we're the minority in the room. And again, you know, not everybody's always open to sharing secrets you know, about how to advance in this career. I met a lot of guys who were third, fourth generational insurance salesmen. I'm, you know, I'm I'm the first, nobody, I had nobody in my family to talk to about this. For sure. So, you know, for me, it's like, okay, I kind of understand how it works. Um, I've been doing it good enough. I know I know how to sell. I know how to recruit. I I knew all the systems. And um, in 2011, I went independent. Mm. So, you know, I, 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 I put in my resignation. I was running two offices in Atlanta, you know, doing fairly well. And in 2011, you know, I went independent. And I'm going to tell you, bro, like for two years, it was rough. Because yeah. <laughs> you know? um, I'm, I'm very impulsive. Like if I feel it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So, you know, 
there, there was some tension between me and some of the other managers. Again, you know, one of the few black managers in the company, you know, didn't always feel comfortable in certain environments. And, um, you know, when, when I when I made a decision, I did it. And I went from having, you know, full budget for leads and recruiting. We used to do lunch and learns at the steakhouses. I mean, we spent 10 grand easy a month on flyers and different things like that. So here I am independent, like, oh, yeah, I ain't got that no more. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. I can't afford a lunch and learn. So I got to figure out how to prospect. So it took me a while to get my footing, um, you know, probably about a year and a half. But once I did, man, it was it was just straight up from there. It was on. It was on. This is um, yeah, let's let, let's stay on that, because, you know, people oftentimes see the end result of oh, yeah. someone's success. Right. I um, mean, don't see kind of the 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 grind behind the grind you know like the those initial you know kind of first steps even even when you have some ex, some experience you know making that transition you know is a that's a that's a it's a big leap it's a big leap what do you think was the most difficult aspect for you going from and, and maybe it was maybe it was the budget because I know you know hey you can swipe a card over here and over here you like that's my card so let me let me yeah. think about that but um if there was anything, if it was that, you know, please expound. But if it was anything else, we'd love to hear. Like, what, what, what do you feel like was your greatest challenge? Like, just in that first year. Initially, yes, it was the financial impact, right? And then that affects different parts of the business because I'm a systems guy, mm -hmm. right? I, I, I live in. I'm not. I'm not a great sales guy. I always tell people, look, if I can do sales, I'm laid back. I'm chill. Like I'm not the rah-rah guy, I'm not the hype dude, right? Some yeah. people just have a natural knack for sales. That's not me. So I had to have systems and I had to follow those systems to get the results I desired. And when you don't have the finances, sometimes putting those systems in place could be really challenging. Like I understood how to get a person to a lunch and learn and from the lunch and learn to the actual appointment and from the appointment to the sale and you know all that kind of stuff. So I had a ton of systems in place that I operated when I was running my office to now I really can't afford certain things. I mean, you know, CRMs and power dialers and all that kind of stuff costs yeah. money. And I just took that stuff for granted. Like I just went in the office and picked up the phone and, you know, dial as long as I want to. Now it's like, Hey, you know, that, that, that thing costs money. VIOP was back in the day mm -hmm. where you, you know, had all that, or you had the second cell phone, a cell phone line and make, so I struggled because I couldn't put certain systems in place and there was more of me in the process that I wanted it to be. Yeah. Right. But, you know, I, I slowly started being able to put those systems in place. Um, you know, I found a way to use Excel, you know, and, and um, create, you know, spreadsheets for prospects and put them in different phases of the sales process until I was able to get a, a legit CRM. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I eventually found out about Google Voice and some of these other free things that were out there that you can use to make phone calls. So I did a lot of research and I just kind of bootstrapped it until I got to a place financially where I can put the real systems in place that I use to run my business today. No, I, excellent, excellent. That, um, that, that was perfect because that's, that's, that's what I wanted to hear, like, like, you know, hey, what was the difficulty? But also, what did you do to modify, right? Because, you know, there's a saying, winners always find a way. Right. You know, and, and you didn't say, well, okay, well, dang, I don't have these systems. Maybe I'm gonna have to just chuck this, throw it to the wind. You know, you made those adjustments, say, hey, you know, what can I do to kind of get me to where I need to go while I'm working back to, you know, putting what I'm accustomed to, you know, in, in, in the mix of in the mix of my business. Um, at what point did you know, at what point did you know you had the hang of it? Um, I'm tell you, it's funny. I share this story a lot. I think it was my first annuity sale. Mm -hmm. Um, I had done, you know, annuities in a career shop, but we always, we always, um, tag teamed them. So it was always me and another one of my managers in the office. We never did any annuities solo. So, um, my first annuity case, I made like $11,000 in commission. And I, I had done, you know, well, you know, I kind of stacked up 
you know, commissions here and there off of my, my life business. But, you know, when I, when I, I made that 11,000 and I, I was, I remember I was, I shared this not too long. I was walking through the mall and I was like, every store I, I went past, I was like, I could buy that. I could buy that. You know what I'm saying? It was like a feeling I had never had before yeah. to have that in one commission. I'm not talking yeah. about a week's worth of sales. I'm talking about one commission. Right. Yeah. And um, I got the Bass Pro Shop and I'm looking, I'm looking at guns and different things. And I turn the corner and it's boats. I'm like, I can't get a boat yet. I got to keep at this. Mm. And I, that was like my motivation. Like, I'm almost there. If I can just keep doing what I'm doing, I'll be back for one of these boats. And that was kind of it for me. It's like the first time in my life, I'm somewhere where I can pretty much buy anything I want and not have to worry about, you know, if I swipe the card, is it going to go through? You know what I'm saying? So for me, I was like, all right, I, I really see the opportunity here. And that opened up another part of the business that I hadn't really paid a lot of attention to because, you know, a lot of guys are white elephant hunting when it comes to nudies. They want that big deal and they'll by bypass all the, the, the low hanging fruit that makes you daily money to go after that. And I never wanted to be that guy, but I did see that, you know, if, if I add this to the portfolio in a smart way, I can 10 X my income real quick. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Those annuities. That's a something else. Something else. I, hey, Hey, I, that's, I didn't know, you know, until yeah. not too long ago, I was like, wow. I, hey, yeah. tell me something, you know, yeah. but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, so now, you know, kind of, kind of getting to this point, you know, you, you, and starting to build out your firm comfortable, where, where does where does Soba come into play? Society of Black Agents. How did how, how did that become birth? I, I spoke you know I spoke with Shay previously, um, and, and she kind of shared you know her her version of the origin. But I, I love to hear your 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 story and uh, your origin because because her side was you called her to be a part of this. So yeah, yeah how, how how was yeah. it birth? So right before COVID, I switched my I switched we switched over to telesales for my brokerage, right? I live in Atlanta. Atlanta's got like the third worst commute in the nation. You know, I got tired of driving up and down 85 for people to no show me, one leg me, cancer, whatever. And I'm like, man, there's, there's gotta be a better way. So probably about six months prior to COVID, we had switched all of our systems over. We were doing telesales, calling from home. And then um, COVID hit. So people were calling me saying, hey, man, we can't be out in the field. I know that you, you're doing that telesales thing. You know, tell me how that works. I want to see if I can switch my, my brokerage over to start doing that. So I was having meetings like every day with dozens of agents, right? And they were like, man, this is dope. I wish there was a place that we can like share information and stuff like this because there's not a lot of, you know, rooms out there that look like us where we can share resources and information and help each other build. So you know, it's crazy because initially I didn't want to do it. You know, <laughs> I reached out to some other, you know, black groups. I'm like, look, man, I got about 300 agents in my pocket right now that, that want a home. They don't want to be recruited. They're not looking for contracts. They're just looking for, you know, relationships, opportunities, network. Yeah. And um, I, people were straight up telling me, no, I'm not interested. And that was the first time where I really focused on us as black agents to yeah. build something like that, right? I, I That was never on my radar, you know? My circle was black, so, you know, I just think, hey, black people wanna work together. But I, I got shot down like three times and I'm like, oh, that's that's crazy, that's interesting. I never, you know, people were very protective of what it is that they had. And, um, you know, I'm very, I'm unapologetically black, right? So I think I made some people uncomfortable with the approach like, hey, let's build something for us. And you know how it is in this industry. You know, sometimes you got to be aligned with carriers in order to get certain contracts and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have, you know, black carriers anymore. Atlanta, life is gone. North Carolina Mutual shut its doors. So, you know, um, after, you know, like being told no three times, I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll build it myself. Yeah. But um, I didn't want to do it by myself. And, you know, Shane and I had done some work um, you know, and I, I really like the way she moves. She got a really strong family unit here in Atlanta, done a lot of stuff on the pro black tip. And, um, you know, I got to meet her family. We had, like I said, we did a couple of events together and I hit her up. I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about 
putting together you know a platform i don't i didn't even know what it was at that point i was like look we just need something where we can come together and she was like well if, if i don't call you back like in three days that just means i'm just you know i got too much going on i called her back two days later like what's your answer <laughs> you know because i you know you you've interviewed her shay's dope i mean yeah. Oh, I love our black women and when they get at it they at it you know what I'm saying yeah. she helps keep me in line because I'd be all over the place so you know she's like all right well what do you want to do what, what tell me what you want to do and I look I like look I just want to create a safe space for black agents to connect and grow that's it connectivity I think is really important opportunities to network without somebody trying to backdoor you and make you sign with their organization their company their contract whatever yeah and you know growth like there's so much money to be made in this industry but unfortunately, I talked to so many black agents that are struggling. Mm. Like, not even they. I talked to agents that haven't even cracked fifty thousand yet, and have been at this ten plus years. Mm. Like, and it, it blew my mind. So I'm like, okay, what can we do, like, to help these agents really make money? Because it's all good serving your community, and you know, having a license or whatever. But remember, I sat in rooms with guys when, when I was running my career shop they would flies down to Tampa once a month all the all the agency um, managers we would call general managers so it's like 55 of us in the room they had 55 offices across the country and the guys that lived in Florida they would pull up I, I tell you no lie Lamborghinis Ferraris mm -hmm. we would go to the Hard Rock on Friday night after our Friday night meeting in Tampa and these guys will pull out 10 stacks, all black, roulette. They're making 50 grand a week. But here <laughs> we are, agents that like are dedicated yeah. to this career path and are only making 50,000. I'm like, okay, well, what, what, what are we missing, right? And you know, I said, I wanna, I wanna pull back the curtain like it was done for me and anything I can share you know, and that's how we are in a group. I mean, if it's if it's lead companies, if it's contracts, if it's systems, you know, if it's marketing, like whatever we can share, we try to bring people that have something to offer our community to help them, you know, level up. I mean, we had you on the podcast yeah. and, you know, it's just like we, we, we got the resources. We just got to get out, out of the mentality of I got to keep it to myself. There's enough for all of us to eat. Yeah, I'm saying and shout out to you, man. Um, I copped your book. Uh, I copped your book the other day. You know what I'm saying? Oh, thank, yeah, thank you, brother. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like when you got people like that, that's a part of your network. Yeah. It, it motivates and inspires you. I'm like, damn, I need to write me a book. I've been talking about writing a book for two years. My man Rod done wrote a book. You know what I'm saying? It, it encouraged me to do what I got to do to get on my grind. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? So having that community of people that are all moving in the same direction, that are encouraging, supporting, sharing, quote unquote, secrets, you know, that's what we wanted to do. And we, we've done it. I mean, we almost had a thousand in the Facebook group right now. Um, you know, we, we got we got Instagram and, and we started a podcast. And I mean, real talk between, you know, our social media platforms and the other agency groups that we're connected to. We're touching about 3000 black agents right now. It's amazing. And again, it's it a great all... community too. You know, I'm, I'm in the Facebook group. You know, it's a lot, a lot of great content that comes through with different, with different webinars, resources, uh, people just, you know, sharing, sharing information and knowledge. Like, like you said, just, there's no utility attached. Yeah. We did a six figure webinar for free at the end of last year. Cause I'm like, every agent in this industry should be able to make at least six figures. Yeah. I mean, and 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 when we really break down the numbers, like six figures ain't what it used to be. You know, a hundred thousand ain't what it used to be. No. You know, <laughs> and when you break down the numbers, it's really doable. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a matter of, I mean, we broke it down to eight thousand a month, you know, how many sales you need, how many phone calls you need to make, how many leads you need to buy, you know, all that kind of stuff. Cost of acquisition for clients, so you know how much you gotta pay to get a client. Like we we gave away the playbook yeah. it was like here like go do it like if you need help hit us up dm us message us whatever we want to see us win because that not only impacts our community when it comes to you know us having professionals out there helping 
you know, people growing up, it helps us as well. That's right. Like, I, I love your book because when you look at those who came before us in the insurance industry, they were pillars in their community. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the Lonzo Herndon, the A.G. Gaston. I mean, Lonzo, we went, he, he built a hotel in Atlanta for people that were traveling through the South and couldn't stay anywhere. He wasn't yeah. just an insurance agent. I mean, he housed other black businesses because nobody else would let them, you know, rent space. Boom, boom. You know, uh, listen, that's, you know, that was really one of the, the, the catalysts behind the, the book to really talk about how impactful we were and could and can be, you know, in our communities. You know, yeah. because the conversation we talk about, hey, you know, by the block, yes, you know, real estate very powerful, but behind that real estate, it has to be insured. You know, in in, in that in that community, if there's a base of like you like what you're saying, hey, look, understanding life insurance and how to utilize it, then that's something that can perpetuate an entire community. If people understand estate planning, they understand how to set a trust up. You know, they can they can build this, they can build their own infrastructure. The money is continuously coming back in and generation after generation after generation, it grows. Um, it is, I want to ask you because it is a hot topic now, right? Um, gen going back to, to, to generational wealth. But what I think that many people have a hard time digesting is that it takes time. It, does. it doesn't happen overnight, you know? What, what do you what do you say? How do you explain that to people that look, even even join, even getting into the industry? Right. It's like, like you said, you know, agents coming in. It, that means that if they're not cracking, if they're not cracking 100,000, which you, you which is not a lot today. OK, if they're not cracking 100,000. That means that they're not being they're not able to be effective in, in, in educating maybe the people they want. They want to educate. How do you how do you communicate the fact that look this process takes time whether hey look you're building as an agent or you're a, a client who wants to establish something you know for the future it's not it's not going to happen overnight how are you communicating that so for the agent you know I don't I'm not one of those guys that say you got to go independent or you got to go career or you got to sell this like you got to find your lane yeah. And, and what, what I tell an agent is there are things that you can do to speed up the process, right? There's some things we can't control. You got to get a license, which requires you to get a 40 hour course, depending on where you live. You got to take the exam. You got to pass it. You got to get your contracts, your background. We can't do anything about that. Yeah. Right. But if, if there's certain things that if you do can speed up your process, one, find a mentor in this business. I wish I wish, I wish 10 times over that I really was a, I would, I would have been able to really find a mentor. I mean, you know, truth be told, it's only been maybe five years where I've had like business mentors that have been able to help me grow my business. Mm -hmm. If I would have had that early on, there's no telling where, where I would be. So, you know, connect with people that are farther along the path than you don't try to figure it all out yourself. Yeah. There's some things you, you know, you can, you can study and prepare for. But for me, if I can find somebody that says, hey, when you get here, go left instead of going right, instead of me bumping my head trying to go that way, I, I'm going to listen to them. Right. So, you know, that, that's what I always tell people is, you know, try to find you mentors, people that have been in the business longer than you that are willing to help you on your journey. For the customer, the, the, the client, the prospect, you know, same thing. You know, we as black people didn't get into our financial situation overnight you know and that's a whole nother conversation you know if we want to go back and talk about how we got here the point is that we're here and you know just like it took us a while to get here it's going to take us a while depending on what you're willing to do to get out but the same way the same thing i tell the agent i tell them there are ways that you can shorten that process and the simplest way is to make sure you and your family have some life insurance. So at the bare minimum, you're not leaving them in debt, right? Yeah. But I don't, I don't care if all you do is get 10,000 for a funeral, you know, to, to make sure that you're not putting them in a hole to figure that out. Cause the funeral director don't care about your intentions. They don't care what you planned on doing or what you were trying to build. They know they got a body in the back. And if you want it in the ground, it's going to cost you 10, 15, 20,000. You're going to pay me. 
So, you know, no, no fish fries and, and GoFundMes and, and all that kind of stuff. Like there are certain things that we can take responsibility for. And I think we need to do that. Like it's easy to come up with an excuse on why we don't, but there are certain things we can do. And I always tell people, you know, the things you can control, control them. You know, there are certain things that we can do to better position ourselves as agents and consumers can better position themselves as consumers. Pay a little more on that car insurance to make sure that if something happens to it, you get a new one. It's easy to be cheap and be like, no, I'm paying the state minimum because they allow you to. And then you wreck that car. I'm like, oh, you know what? Now I can't I can't do nothing. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, things we can control, control and, you know, connect with people that can help you do so. No doubt. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, um, you know, you, you, you got a lot going on, man. I mean, look, you, you, you are an inspiration for somebody who's coming in the business, you know, even for myself, you know, I see how you, how you move and, um, you know, you, not only on the, on the business side, but also on the community side and, and really just adding to, just adding to, to just the industry as a, as a thought leader and, and a change agent. What, what keeps you motivated now? The, I understand the responsibility, the assignment now, right? When, when you got, when you have a thousand people that look to you as a leader in a certain space, it, it kind of forces you to want to be better, right? And, and we grew quick. I mean, when we, when we were at Black Friday, in Atlanta, we were at 200, 200 people in the Facebook group. I mean, less than a year later, we're already over a thousand and we're, we're really not even marketing that heavy. I mean, a lot of this is word of mouth. Yeah. So I think when, when, you, when, you, when you get to a certain position, the responsibility of that position almost forces you to wanna do better. Like I legit, when I, when I look in the group and somebody asks a question, like, hey, you know, I'm struggling, you know, does anybody have recommendations for what lead company I should, I should use? I'm really thinking about that. Like, I, I care, you know, I really want to find, and you know, we're, as men, we're wired that way anyway. We see yeah. the problem, we try to fix it, but I'm really looking like, yo, these people are in my group asking for help. Like, I got to help them. So, you know, me and the staff and the, and the team, we're always having conversations about, you know, what more can we do? And it's hard, you know, because it's, it's an online group. We, we can't help everybody. I mean, we're still growing as a team. We're only a handful of people. But I think that's what keeps me going is like the responsibility of it. I want to see, you know, these, these agents win. These agents, these agency owners, I want to see them win. Absolutely. 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 You know, and because the rising tide, you know, raises all ships. Absolutely. You know? So if if everybody's winning, then everybody's winning, right? Yeah. You know? yeah. Um. So what's what's the goal now? So, you know, what was you know we talked about you know kind of kind of coming up in Brooklyn. Now you know going through your journey, military, starting in sales, kind of getting into the business, you know, finding your way building your own business now growing and, you know, running, you know, eight, you got agents and, and you got the, got a whole system running. You expanded into an, an, an outreach with an organization, large membership base. What's, what's the goal now? Like what's, what's the, what's the dream? What's, what's the big picture for T Priesthood? Yeah. So I, I want, I want to create a plug and play insurance opportunity that's mm -hmm. going to help a person that's non-licensed get into the industry and make six figures within six months. Mm. For, for me, it's about the impact on an individual's family and their community, right? One without the other, to me, doesn't make sense. It's, it's cool if everybody in the neighborhood knows you as the insurance guy, but, you know, if you got to go home and you struggling, that, that defeats the purpose. It's cool if you're making a lot of money, but if you ain't helping your community, then, you know, that defeats the purpose. So, you know, I, I've learned a lot. Um, you know, I mentioned Ethos and, and Plum and some of these other companies that are tech companies that have gotten to the insurance space that have streamlined the process. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, people can do e-apps 
without even talking to you. I mean, you know, it's just the way the system is set up. So, you know, on, on the brokerage side, I just want to create an opportunity for, you know, people to take advantage of systems that I developed or been able to tap into that helps them, you know, accelerate their career in this industry, you know, exponentially. So plug and play. Yeah, plug and play. I mean, here, here, here's the playbook if you're willing to do this. So I've been kind of working, you know, that testing it with a few agents here or there. But, you know, on the broker side, that that's my goal. And that way you can work with who you want to work with. I mean, you know, I don't only sell to black people. You know, I buy black and sell to the rest. You know what I'm saying? I don't, if somebody sees me online, they see one of my ads, I ain't going to be like, hey, no, I ain't selling it to you. That's stupid. Right. You know, no no other community does that. Right. But, um, you know, because of I, because I've been able to take advantage of some of these other systems that don't take as much as my time, I can focus where I want to focus yeah. on small black businesses and, you know, my community and things like that. So that's what it is on that side. Um, and then, you know, Soba, you know, we, we just had a conversation the other day. Um, the big thing in our industry, you know, the young people say receipts. Um, you know, Million Dollar Roundtable is huge in our community. We, we want Soba agents to be represented in the million dollar round table. We want to say we put mm. 10 agents in the million dollar mm. round table this year based on you know our training and and different things that we've done. So, you know, we 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 said we want to create a space for black agents to connect and grow. The growth is really what we're focused on right now. You know, putting us in spaces where we're we're more represented. We got to get that 8.5% up. But in order to do that, we have to stop talking about insurance ain't sexy or you know, it's a scam or whatever. We got to change the whole way we look at it. So, Absolutely. you know, we have an you know, event that we call the Sober Blackout and our whole focus is rebranding the Black agent. Like what does, what should a Black agent in 2023 look like? Mm. You know what I'm saying? On social media, in the community, how they move, you know what I'm saying? Like really taking a look at what that should look like and making sure that's the image that we're, we're, we're projecting out there because young people ain't gonna mess with us if we out here being corny. I mean, they can make a hundred thousand on TikTok. You think they're gonna want to do what we do if we don't show them a way that's creative and they they can use their talents and gifts to Absolutely. do so? That's what we're trying to do is like go back to what it used to be when you talked about the insurance man in the neighborhood, the business yeah. owner, you know, the the giant. That's what we're trying to get back to. So for me, like I said, we're just focused on as far as, you know, SOBA and, and other organizations we're partnering with helping Black agents win. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, brother, you, you are definitely one of them. You know what I mean? Like like okay. one of those, you know, individuals who, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, I'm gonna say 15, 20 years. I know you got a lot of runway left, you know? Let's say 20, 30, 40 years from now, Cassie yeah. be like, yo, man, yo, T Priester, man, he set this up, man, he really kind of, Laid, laid a path out for us. Um, so that's exciting. That's 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 a legacy, man. Um look, I, I I wanted to, you know, just have a few words from you on someone, you know, who who might be looking to to join this industry. Cause I know you have passion for people who are coming into the space and want to see them be successful. What what would you tell someone? you know, kind of entering the business or maybe even just thinking about entering this business. Maybe they are on TikTok right now. You know, they're doing their TikTok thing, but uh, maybe they're maybe they're watching this video. Maybe they saw a snippet or a clip, you know, on, on, on YouTube or, you know, maybe they came across, you know, Soba on Facebook. Man, what, what is that? What, what do you what would you tell that person about this industry or entering this industry? You know, for an industry that's been around as long as it has it's still really wide open for people that have passion and creativity, right? So, you know, I, what, what I try to tell people, again, my son is 22. I'm trying to get him interested into the business. You know, he, he's he got a new passion for IULs. That he just found out how they work, you know, about a month or so ago. So I've been connecting him with people. But I'm like, you know, I'll be your authentic self and let that come through, regardless of what it is you do. Right. When I came into this industry, I had to kind of hide who I was in order to advance. Right. That's no longer the case. Like allow yourself to be the authentic version of you, because one, that's going to attract that's going to attract your client. Right. So it, 
I, I, I missed out on a lot of business not being authentic, trying to be something in, that I could never amount to being, right? So, you know, what I tell people, like I said, just come in, be your authentic self, find out where you fit in, and just niche down and grow from that point, right? Again, I'll repeat, find you a mentor, find you people that have been in this business longer than you that are willing to share the secrets of success with you. And mm -hmm. if you do that, the money's going to come. I mean, it's a it's a top millionaire making industry. It's I think financial services is number three when it comes to creating you know millionaire. It's number one. Is it's it number, number one? Number one. Uh, financial services, real uh, financial services, tech, and real estate. There you go. Like yeah. so, <laughs> the money's there. Yeah. Right. All you got to do is find out how to get it, and you know, being your authentic self to me. With, with the help of mentors is the quickest way to the bag in this industry. The money is there. Do a record payouts and in insurance last year. You know, since COVID, more people have been buying and wanting to have conversations about mortality. That's right. It's, it's a great opportunity. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, look, brother, thank you so much, you know, for taking this time. Um, people, they want to get in contact with you. They want to find out about Noble. They want to find out about Soba. How can how can the people reach out to you and connect with you and just just stay stay in stay in the mix with you? Sure, I'm I'm T Priest everywhere, um, every social media platform. Um, T P R I E S T E R. So just at me. I'm struggling on TikTok and some of these other platforms. I'm trying to keep up with these young people, but if you put T Priest in there, that's where I am. Um, the website is igotnoble.com. Um, sober is we are sober.org. Um, hit me up, man. I, anything I can do to help us, us, you know, as agents and agency owners grow, I'm here for it. Hey, we got got to reach out to my man T Priester. Look, um, all you got to do before before everybody else had the AI pictures, T Priester had the AI. He had the cool animation picture. This that's like the dopest <laughs> like image icon image on your on your Instagram. That jump, that's yeah. that's nice. That's before everybody got on the AI craze. Yeah, um, yeah. I got to update that. The, the, the grades then come in, <laughs> you know, all that. People looking at me like I'm capping right now. I'm like, nah, bro, that's catfish. You don't look like that no more. So. <laughs> all good, all good. But look, man, thank you for the time. I, I appreciate you. You know, love everything that you're doing. You know, we always support. Um, appreciate just, just like, just being who you are, man. You know, the, the example as a businessman, the example as an advocate, you know, for this industry, this space. What you're doing the podcast, you know, it's a they're dynamic, man. If you're down, especially if you're down in the Atlanta area, you gotta connect. You gotta connect with T Priest down there. So yeah. thank you once again for taking this time. And for those who are listening, for those who are listening, maybe you heard something, maybe you know, you have a background where, where you're coming, you know, from a place where you didn't know, you know, which way you were gonna go. Maybe, hey, you're you're in the military, you're getting ready to get out. Maybe you're in a sales career and you're looking for something that, you know, can maybe. Uh, give you the opportunity to impact the community on a larger level, or maybe you're just an agent in the space and you're like, man, you know, you, you, maybe you got your license, you let it lapse and, you know, you heard something today that, that made you think you need to go back and maybe you should get a license until the next time. Peace. Peace. Thank you, brother.